Whether you're buying a new car or used one, it's a big investment, which is why you should choose Pennzoil Platinum. It helps extend the life of your engine and protect it up to 15 years or 500,000 miles, whichever comes first, guaranteed. That's because Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas and 99.5% free from engine-clogging impurities. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Enrollment required? Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply? See Pennzoil.com warranty for full details. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. Recorded live. Welcome to the John and Paul Radio Show, brought to you by AdventuresInMinistry.com, where you can find all the free apps, whether it be on your iPhone or on your Android or on your Apple TV 4. It's all free. And we invite you to download those. Uh, and they sponsor this um, latest and greatest podcast uh, by John Fodine and Paul Sperlin the John and Paul Show. Thank you for being here today as we will begin a really cool discussion for the next 13 weeks talking about um, the Encyclopedia of Youth Ministry. We'll also talk a little a little pro football talk. The uh, NFC and AFC Championship um, games are happening this weekend, so a lot of great things to talk about. But let me pass it back over to my good buddy, John Podine. John, how are you today? I am great, Paul. I am down in sunny, warm Montgomery, Alabama, just the same as you, waiting for the blizzard that will never hit here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they keep talking about um, everything coming to Montgomery, but it will not happen uh, because it is Montgomery. It was 63 degrees yesterday, so everybody oh, I know. cool your jets. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not coming. But, Paul, we actually may be in the middle of it a little bit this weekend when we head up to uh, Cookville, Tennessee. We're going into the mouth of the storm is what we're doing. Or at least the the throat of it, or whatever it may be. You're correct. I, I'm excited for us to go up there and and uh, maybe maybe get uh, get trapped. What if we were to get snowed in? Well, that'd be a shame because you don't want to miss Monday's big chapel service. I don't even know what chapel is on Monday, and I'm in charge of it. So I guess that's a good thing. I need to check that one out. I think Monday's a big day, isn't it? For what? Well, actually, it's a week from Monday. We'll talk about that a week from Monday. Oh, no, that's next. Um, that's next. Yeah, that's let's do that next. a week from Monday. It's February. Uh, no, okay. no, no. That'll be cool. Anyway, today but, we are excited to tell you, God bless America, God bless, um, you know, little children. Um, we have an opportunity to talk a little bit about, we got some, um, you know, college football is now officially over, but the Senior Bowl is this um, – this weekend and um, um, this upcoming weekend, and so uh, a lot of cool um, opportunities for guys to sort of show their medals, see if they're worthy enough to play in the big the big show, the big game. Uh, while this weekend, the um, champions for the NFC and AFC will be facing off uh, to decide and tell us who's going to play the Super Bowl. So um, exciting times on that. Extremely exciting times. I'm, I'm excited to sit down and watch uh, the Peyton versus Brady for like the 75th year um, to battle each other in the uh, AFC championship game. Well, let's talk a little bit about this real quick, and then we'll get into the real discussion for the, for the day. Let's go ahead and do this. The Brady-Manning Bowl. Who wins this fifth face-off between the two? Uh, I don't know how you, you're not going with Brady in this game, Paul, um, Peyton Manning, he is held together right now by some duct tape and rubber bands. Um, <laughs> do not understand how he's going to uh, uh, really uh, make it through. I am shocked he made it through. He is just um, – this is one of those points. And you remember after he had surgery, they were concerned that would his arm strength come back. And he had it. He had it there for a couple of years. But now I think you see it. He doesn't have the arm strength. I mean, his ball looks like um, dead duck would be a good way of saying it. Um, but they are there. Their defense is tough. But, I, I mean, I think Brady has this set. Um, I'm not sure anybody's going to beat Cam ultimately in the Super Bowl, which that will be my pick on the NFC side. Um, yeah, I hope you're right. But, but uh, I, I pick Brady in this game. And, and the Patriots. 
Yeah, I think um, when you look at what's happening right now, um, the Patriots and, and the Broncos both are kind of tattered a little bit. I think most every team has someone missing or someone hurt playing for that team um, All between all four of them. Uh, and especially with the playoffs like week, um, a lot of teams with a lot of injuries dealing with. But, but yeah, um, when you get to the Manning and, and – um, and uh, Brady Bowl, it comes down to quarterbacks. I think. I think both mm-hmm. defenses are strong. I think um, both offensive, um, like wide receivers, core is kind of tattered a little bit. Running game's okay, but um, but you got to come down to Brady and uh, and Peyton. And um, as much as I like Peyton, he just doesn't have it anymore. This will be his last game to play mm-hmm. as an NFL player, unless he just shows up to. For a swan song or something by next year. But I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and he, this is almost, it's almost, and, and Peyton Manning, yeah, especially growing up in the South and you getting to watch him play at Tennessee and and go on and, and do what he did in Baltimore and, and or Indianapolis. Sorry about that. I'm thinking old day Baltimore Colts. You went a long um, way back there. I went a long <laughs> way back on that one. But yeah. seeing, seeing him play, you know, I mean, he really is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's definitely the smartest that I have ever seen uh, play, just be able to control the game. But watching him play this year, it's, it's almost hard to watch because he is just a shadow, and that may be even a, a good word to say, of the player that he once was. Um, yeah. NFL Hall of Famer for sure, but I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think mm-hmm. we're looking at his last NFL game. And then on the other side, you have Carson Palmer um, bringing Arizona Cardinals into uh, Bank of America Stadium, which right now is covered, the, the, the floor of it, the field of it is covered in snow. Um, well, see, that's what I was going to do. Yeah. It, they say it will be clear, but right now it's covered in snow. Uh, if you're looking on Twitter, it's right there, and uh, Panthers.com Twitter uh, feed. Um, but um, the Cardinals coming in, taking on the Panthers. Panthers only one loss this year completely, and that's to the <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how this happened to the Atlanta Falcons. I guess they decided to take off a week, but um, but they're back to it and um, had a crazy game last week against um, <laughs> against. Um, the Seahawks last week. Sorry, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Brett Thomas put in the chat room. The Titans are going to win it all. Um, it depends on which direction you're going there, buddy. Um, love the Titans, but it wasn't their year, and it hasn't been for a long time. But the, the big question is, when will that be? Before we get to that question, let's answer this one. And you already made your pick, really. You, you think the Panthers win this game? Yes, I think the Panthers win this game. I, I'm I'm afraid. My, well, here, I will caution that pick. Let me say this. I will caution that pick with what is the weather going to look like? What is it going to do? Um, is it going to be brutally cold? Will they get the snow cleared off um, if they come and dump two feet of snow in the Charlotte area? Um, that may be your one um, variable in this. But here you have a warm climate, Arizona Cardinals coming in here. Um, I don't really think it's going to be much of a game. I really think this is Cam Newton and Carolina Panthers year. Yeah. Yeah, I hope you're right. Um, well, like I said, the problem they had last week was uh, Russell Wilson. And, um, right. And, and here's, here's something interesting. Uh, this game, you have two former Alabama quarterbacks teaching their and talking to their quarterbacks in their prospective teams against one another. I don't know if you knew this. That's true. For the Panthers, you have Mike Shula, who has guided um, Cam Newton his entire pathway of, of his time in the pros. That's what, three or four years. Uh, which, by the way, um, some cool stories there. We'll talk some other time. He's really helped him out a lot. And um, the personal aspect of being a, a pro um, football player, uh, a pro quarterback. But um, last week against the um, Seahawks, you kind of saw that um, because if you remember the, the Bama of the 90s, um, they would score in the first half and they would give up the second half. I'm like, that is so much. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. That but is true. What, that is true. But what's worse than him is, is um, an offensive lineman trying to play quarterback um, 
in the name of Freddie Kitchens, who is the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach for the um, Arizona Cardinals. So this is going to be fun to watch, and I honestly don't think the Cardinals have a prayer. I think it's going to be too cold. I think the weather is going to get to them. I think the travel is going to get to them. And I think that the Panthers had trouble with with um, um, with uh, Wilson. Man, I can't think of his name for a minute. But with Wilson, because he's that dual threat and he, he extended plays, Carson Palmer is not going to do that. He is sitting and standing in a bucket as a pocket passer and will not move. That defense for the Panthers will take him down. Um, the Panthers win this game, and they will be going to San Francisco to take on the Patriots. And I cannot wait to watch that game, and I cannot wait to see the Panthers destroy um, uh, Tom Brady. Not because I think they will, but because I really hope they do. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, Paul. I, I think one thing that is very underrated with the Carolina Panthers are their defense. Um that I actually really enjoy watching. I know the game that you were, you and Stephanie were in attendance. I was watching on television, hoping to uh, see y'all so I could uh, um, the monsoon. make fun of y'all um, in the monsoon. I, I, I enjoyed watching their defense. And Mike Shula can pull the old Alabama um, mindset of let's jump on them early, get the big lead second half. We can just get this clock and get the game over with and put it on the defensive back because they have that type of defense. Um, I, so I don't think it's going to be close. I think Carolina wins it. I think it's going to be uh, the old versus the new, uh, Tom Brady versus Cam Newton, and uh, we'll save our Super Bowl pick for later on. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Even though um, Brady is the same quarterback that Carson Palmer is, or that pocket quarterback, and you got to look at that defense, led by Luke Keekley because he sees it all the time because he looks into the looking glass. Oh, we better. And um, that's good. Anyway, um, you're right. We'll, we'll we'll break it down a little more next week on our in two weeks for the uh, Super Bowl. Looking forward to that. Um, well, uh, that being set aside, and uh, we get into the discussion of talking about the. The perspective, I should say, John, the perspective book that um, Pat and I are um, wanting to put together with the help of all of our listeners, with all, anyone who comes in or any of those that call in, feel free to give us any, any thoughts, any um, idea that you think that maybe we, not, we aren't thinking of. We're not gonna, we don't have all the answers. Um, we just happen to have a pen and parchment to write our experiences on. So if you have anything else to add to that, this is the time. But, John, how are we going to get started with today? What are we going to do? Well, you know, as we're sitting here, we talked about our book, calling it the Encyclopedia of Youth Ministry. Um, kind of, you know, I, I guess we have to jump at the beginning, Paul. You know, everybody who, um, if you have gone to church for any amount of time, and especially if you worked in church for church world for any amount of time and, and got in the middle of that, um, kind of youth ministers are kind of looked at and seen as, well, they're the kind of their junior ministers. They're kind of the people that are here. And once they grow up, they'll be real ministers. They will be real preachers that are out there. But it's not like that at all. And so, you know, Paul, you know, let, let, let me ask you this question, Paul. You, you and I, I guess between the two of us, we have close to 40 years worth of youth ministry. Uh, yeah, worth, 40 years. Uh, four zero. That's right. Four zero. Yes, that 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 word. Um, More on that later. You know, yeah, a lot later. Um, <laughs> let me let me start by asking you this question, Paul. When when you first started in in ministry, what was the the one thing or the mindset that you had going into it? Um, I got to do something that I love. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a brand new, uh, really cool, awesome experience. Um, and I get to live, you know, five minutes from Mayway Christian Camp. I mean, that was, honestly, that was the, the thing that, that pulled me more than anything, was the fact that it was right there at Hamilton and Maywood. Um, I didn't I didn't leave. 
I didn't go to school for four years and then find a a, a ministry job. That's not. I, I went to complete different kind of track. I went to college for a year, and then needed to. Um, you know, I needed some some refocusing on things. So I went three years in the Navy in the military, and that really focused me. And then I met my my beautiful bride after that, and um, well, she met my bride after that. But it was a whole thing anyway. Um, so and I was selling insurance. This friend of mine introduced me to an opportunity to, to work with a church. He knew um, that I had um, uh, some experience in church work because I had some before. And I actually did some of that stuff in the military while I was in as well. And so he said, how would you like to be a youth minister? I'm like, I would love that. That would be awesome. So so I was I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. It was a new, new adventure for me and uh, was hoping that it would become something um, – more than what I was doing, which was basically preaching on Sundays for a little while and, and just needing um, a little more interaction, a little more opportunity to, to um, spread my wings a little bit. So I was, it was an exciting time for me. And I was, it's almost like when you're first baptized and you come out of that water, you're invincible and you can do anything. And that's, what, that's exactly how I felt. I had everything at my fingertips. I was just ready to go. Well, you know, you mentioned the word there. You thought it was going to be fun. You're going to be able to interact. You're going to be able to be right there by Maywood Christian Camp. And, you know, that's one thing where a lot of people look at youth ministry as saying, well, it's just easy. It's all about going to Six Flags. It's all about going to Chuck E. Cheese. It's all about, you know, just having pizza parties and lock-ins. <laughs> and it's not really, it's not really real ministry. And I think, you know, you and I would both agree and say, no, 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 that's, that's farther the farthest from the truth. Um, what would you recommend as we kind of dive into this and we're talking about the first years of things, what would you recommend to somebody who's considering looking at going into uh, youth ministry uh, as their profession, of, as their life? And what, what, what would you think that you would say um, to them if they were considering this based upon what, what you experienced when you first began? I would probably start out, and there's probably two parts to this question. Number one is um, to be in youth ministry, because that's a completely different animal than just ministry in general. You know, knowing specifically what you're doing. If you're going into an area, do it because you want to do that area. Don't do it because you feel like it'll get you somewhere else later on. That is, um, that, that burns me up a little bit. I do not believe that youth ministry is a stepping stone. I think it's actually on the same level. Um, of the church building at the pulpit in this office. So why are we being treated so much differently? And uh, nothing against the preachers around the world, but um, uh, I heard this the other day, the preachers speak on Sundays, but the youth ministers do the ministry during the week. And so um, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more uh, to both jobs, you know, and, and there's respect that needs to be given to the, the pulpit minister that gets in that pulpit every Sunday, which is a big job. You know, every Monday it's time to get two more together. Um, but as the youth minister, you do the same thing, but you're also um, on these trips. And because you go on trips, everybody starts to think that you're this, you know, coordinator of activities. And there's more to it than that. You know, we don't have an activity without opening the Bible. We make sure that they get an experience um, uh, of growth and in Christian and in spiritual growth that goes along with what we do. So that's important. But my first thing to tell somebody if they're going into this is make sure you want to do youth ministry and make sure that you want to do it at that congregation. I agree with you, Paul. You know, we have a youth and family ministry major in our degree, our, our biblical studies degrees here um, on campus at Faulkner. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, when some people become decide they're going to be youth and family ministry majors, they're like, well, I'm not really ready to grow up right now. I'm kind of enjoying having a good time, having some fun. And so I think I'm going to do that, and then later on I'll grow up and I'll be mature. And, you know, I think one of the things we've seen over the years is that that actually kind of hurts um, the perception of what true youth ministry can bring. And so I absolutely think you're right, is that if you're going to do this, this is something you, you should do, you want to do, you want to be a part of it, and, and you're ready for this for the long haul. If you want to be a preacher, go be a preacher, right, Paul? Exactly. Um, I, I remember old Mike Wisenat telling us that one time, says, if you want to be a youth minister, be a youth minister. If you want to be a preacher, go be a preacher. Um, don't use it as a stepping stone um, in ministry. But well, one thing that fair, if you want to preach, if you want to know how to preach, you got to preach. That's true. 
That's absolutely right. So. Uh, um, one thing, you know, that, that's always kind of interesting, and this is what we're going to do within this chapter of this book and kind of what we're talking about here today um, is this, is some of the things, Paul, you know, you jump into ministry and, you know, you had some life experiences by being in the Navy, and so that kind of matured you a little bit, ready to go and, and, and jump into ministry and be a part of things. I, my track was bringing me here, changing my major, and then getting involved in ministry, in youth ministry, and I wanted to do it from the perception and perspective of, hey, I don't want some of the uh, teenagers to make some of the, the same mistakes I made. I want to help people. I want to make them grow. But when you're, let's face it, when you're 21, 22, 23 years old, um, and you're jumping into ministry and you're in charge of, you know, anywhere from 13 to 18-year-old souls and hearts and minds, um, it, it's, you can, there's a little things that happen that are a little unexpected, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, can you give us one thing? What, give me, give, just go, let's do this. Give me a couple of things, and I'll give you a couple of things that, that happened um, during, during your first years of being in ministry, youth ministry and, and some of these things that uh, may have surprised you even that you ran into. Um, do I go positive or do I go negative? Because there's both. Where are we at on this? Well, let's, let's, let's um, okay. Let's start positive first, and then we'll go on the negative side with it. Because I think one thing that we're going to try to do with this book is to give a realistic expectation for youth ministers of understanding yeah. of what they're really getting ready to get into. So let, let's, look, you know, we, I think both of us agree that ministry is probably the most rewarding uh, profession that you can be in. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's do the positive here first. Okay. Well, what I'm going to share with you is the ultimate positive for any minister in any job. And this is the first thing. It's, it's the most wanted and wishing you could hold on to them for as long as you're at a work. And that's what we call the honeymoon stage. The honeymoon stage is that point in time when um, everything goes right for you, nothing can go wrong for you because they think, oh, he's new. <laughs> I, I still remember. I still remember. Um, I, I wasn't going to name names. I still remember Paul Logan. One of my elders at Hamilton, my very first um, work, uh, he knew. He didn't know. I'm like, oh, that's right. I, I rode that storm for a good six, seven months, man. That was the best six, six seven months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. That, that, those elders were so good to me, and uh, we had a good, a good experience there and everything. Um, but it's the honeymoon stage. And if something doesn't work right or doesn't go right, like, he's just been here just, just a month or two. We can't think of you know, so, you know, and I'm not saying to be lazy. I'm just saying that's what happens. So try to your best to, in knowing that when you first get to any work, especially your very first work, try not to milk it too much. Make sure you're working and you're doing your part, and don't let um, a phase of life or ministry take over, because once that honeymoon phase is completed, and you'll know when it's completed because that parent or that kid or that dude or elder, they're going to come to you, and they may rip you a new one. And you're going to say, what's the hundred states over? Uh, it's going to happen, John. It does. You know that. You're right. Um, but my thing is, when it is, make sure you can still steer that ship. Make sure you've already been there and you've become the captain of what's going on. So when it ends, you can say, okay, it's over, but I'm good. Don't say it's over now. What do I do? Because some guys in that think I'm not in this for ministry. This isn't working for me, because they're not just giving you a pass every day. You know, carry your load, carry the the weight along the way, and then when it's over, you can still stand on your own two feet. And that's important. That's an important part of the honeymoon stage. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, and that's kind of like with any first year that you're even at a new job with having those that honeymoon phase and, and making sure you're balancing that out because everybody's going to think, oh, you got all these ideas, you got all these things um, that you're jumping into, and uh, you got to somehow balance that out because you're, you're right, Paul, when that first elders meeters, meetings come up and, and they say, well, we need, we need to talk to you and and uh, you can feel like you're getting hit with on all sides right in your face because, you know, you, you kind of milked it 
um, to the best that you could possibly do. Um, mm-hmm. And so you, you gotta you gotta you gotta be careful with all that. I know one of the things that I, I that I know that um, I came across in some of my first years of ministry is thinking I had all the answers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was you know was getting involved. I was twenty two years of age, starting out and getting in there, and um, I've, I've seen life, I've experienced life here, let me go through there, and thinking I had all the answers to all the problems, and, you know, sometimes in youth ministry, you're going to have, in ministry in general, you're going to have to expect the unexpected, right? Right. Because you may think you have all of you've got the best plans, and, and you may have went to a school like Faulkner or Freed, and you've got all this training. You've got this big notebook. I think we talked last week on our show when Brett was talking yeah. about when we had Donnie Hilliard here, and we had this big, fat notebook on youth ministry. And you're like, I know what we need to do and how youth ministry needs to handle and what, what needs to take place. And you could have the best plan in the world, and, and you have one teenager come up, and it ruins all your plans that you thought were the best thing in the world because um, uh, you thought you had all the answers, but then he throws you a curveball. And so uh, my recommendation is be careful um, of thinking you had all the answers and definitely be flexible in, in some of your planning and some of your, do, and some of your classes and even in some of, of how you interact with, with um, – with, um, with the young people. So let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, then, Paul. What what what's the negative thing that you ran into that that you were not expecting, or or <clears throat> something that just maybe caught your attention that really shocked you a little bit in your first years? Well, let's um let's roll after the honeymoon stage. Let's talk about when it when it's completed. Let's just continue to go with that. Um, I was. Noticing a, a student, a, a person, um, this kid was, well, she was in high school. She was a junior, maybe even a senior, but we'll say she was a junior. And um, she was kind of acting up in class a little bit. It was a little against what she used to, she's usually a really good kid. And um, I asked her to stay after class. And, um, and I asked her what was going on, you know, and she said nothing. I said, well, you'd be a little destructive in class. And is there anything that, that I can help you with? Anything going on at, at home or anything I can help you with? And, and she said, no. I said, well, I need you to start acting like and, um, and, of course, she didn't give me much lip. You know, she just, she said, um, she said, okay, and everything. And, and I thought that was that was it. And I thought, we'll, we'll see what happens after this is over. And um, that Sunday morning, uh, that was in class, after church was over, a parent pulled me aside. Uh-oh. Uh, in, in the back of the auditorium, ripping me a few new ones. And um, I'm like, excuse me? And, and she, she's all, the uh, mother was upset because I corrected her daughter. Now, let me say this. Not every teenager and parents are created the same. They're not. You have right. some that um, would appreciate you, you trying to help their child. You got some that would appreciate um, you trying to make them better people, but then there's some that doesn't appreciate any kind of criticism at all, whether it be constructive or otherwise. And so this parent was very, her volume was very loud, uh, and letting me know that if you have a problem with my child, you'll come talk to me. You won't talk to my child. So I tried to clarify. I said, so let me ask this. So. If I have a situation and I need to address your daughter, I need to talk to you, not your daughter. You're fixing to be out of the house in college. That's what you're telling me right now. And, um, <laughs> and she basically, basically stopped for a minute, and she says, yes, I want you to come to me. I'm like, okay, you got it. So, so I, I, I didn't stop addressing the child, but I started involving that parent a little more. This isn't a learning experience towards um, Knowing how to deal with a child, this is a learning experience. Knowing how to deal with a parent, um, right? Sometimes it's not always about the kids. You need to also understand the parents, and it can turn into a negative situation um, very quickly. Um, but it really, honestly, it really comes down to how we act and how we react to how people are. And so I try my best, and I've gotten better about this over the years. 
I'm like, I'm just old, and I, I'm, I'm not as <laughs> as fiery as I used to be, John. But yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll sort of kick back a little bit, sort of cool, calm, collected, let them do their thing, and I'll try to interject where I can. But I'm not gonna you know, not be gangbusters anymore. Like I, like what you said earlier about knowing everything, having all the answers. I couldn't be like that. But I, I learned a lot that day. It is, you know, and that's one thing I, I think you really you hit something that. Um, I do think a lot of youth ministers, especially because they're so young, and they get out of school and they're they're working and and getting in the ministry field, and it shocks them a little bit because you expect people, well, you expect people to be able, you know, that you can create create correct their child and that mom will come up, thank you, you know, appreciate it. But sometimes you do come across those that are just like, don't you dare talk to my kid. And you're like, whoa, 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 I wasn't being mean. I wasn't trying to do anything. We're just, you know, we're trying to work this together. And so that can be a little uh, discouraging if you don't expect it or even prepared for it to come a little bit. Um, um, within all that, I had a similar situation one time with a, with a student, and I finally just had enough. You know, I was trying to teach Bible class and finally had enough. And finally, I went back and was just like, you know, basically, you you need to be quiet and quit goofing off in class. And mm-hmm. that their parent came to me and said, well, you really hurt her feelings, and I, and I really think you need to go talk to her. And even though I did have her parents saying, hey, I, I'm not saying she's perfect and does anything wrong, but could you go talk to her? And 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 this this this. Uh, uh, student really made me feel like I was about two inches big because of um, that I ripped into her and I'm you know and I told her I said well I didn't mean to hurt your feelings but you know there is a certain way you know we come here to study the Bible and it's hard for me to teach a class if you're goofing off the whole time <laughs> and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so it is it is you got to deal with that and 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 this kind of goes with something I would I would bring up here and use and um, I think it's a common mistake that a lot of youth ministers make in general, but especially that first year, because, you know, you're still learning how you're going to conduct ministry, and you want to be a friend to all of mm-hmm. your um, friend and mentor to all of your um, students that you have in this ministry. Well, at some point, it's kind of like a parent thing, Paul, and you understand this. There's sometimes when Yes, there is that friend relationship, but also you, you're that mentor. You're that youth minister that you may have to um, correct where you may not want to correct or they don't want to hear you correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, they don't, they don't like being corrected, and they don't like um, the interaction that brings it about. But it's, it's not your fault. You have to address these things. Um, you know, Definitely. if an elder addresses something or a deacon addresses something that you should be doing, uh, just know this is something that uh, should not happen. So um, try to be aware of those things and, and be cognizant of, of situations as they arise. Absolutely. I find myself Absolutely. sometimes, John, with my head on a swivel, you know, whether it's oh, in, even yeah. today, even you know, like with worship. I'll, um, I do the announcements at university, and I love doing it. I love being up there. I love sharing with the church what's going on. I really do. Some people hate it. I actually enjoy it. I'm kind of weird, I guess, but and I get to address the whole church. I get to see everybody and welcome everybody. And um, and I've, I've taken on a responsibility of it. It's not my job, not my responsibility, but I just I make sure everybody's there. I make sure everybody's um, gonna you know song leader got a song ready and, and this and that. And I'm always watching for, for prayer people or prayer person to get there. And I jump, you know, I sort of and that's not just in worship. I'm talking about in everything. I, I've always keep my head on a swivel. I watch to see how people are responding to what's happening, whether it's me teaching, whether it's intern teaching, whether it's it's their interaction with them. You know, there's a lot of things there. Uh, and, of course, this gets into a later chapters, but I just, you know, what you, what you mentioned there about the kid and how they respond, you always need to be ready for that and how to, how to, how to act and react to, to it. I totally agree. You know, and, and that kind of, that may be a good, good segue into this part of this, of our podcast here, what we're talking about. What are some things that, that, that we can recommend to people who are getting into ministry for those first years and they don't have a lot of experience and they may think this is the way it's supposed to be. What are, what are some things, maybe some do's and do nots that you would expect that you, that you would recommend to um, um, somebody getting started out? 
Um, okay, this this sounds kind of weird, but I've got to say this, and it's got to be known, because this, this is one of those first things that happens to Do know how to baptize a person. Don't ah. forget it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, make sure when you put them under that water, it sounds like that means to you. It is. This is chapter one, so that's what this is about. Make sure they're under that water. I put somebody under twice because the first time I'm not sure if they went down. So you got to make sure that happens. <laughs> I'm serious. You got to make sure that happens. That's funny. Or you you right. about that? Oh man. You leave that hand pop up there, or or some piece of another piece of the body floating. They're gonna come back at you. That parent's gonna be like, "Uh, you better get my kid back underneath that water." Yeah, exactly. Make sure that's right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I, I would say I would say one thing that I would also recommend for for uh, people starting out in their first year, have a good mentor too, a good you know youth yeah. minister friend that has been involved with ministry for so long, to be able to call because you are going to have those unexpected situations come up that they're not going to be able to teach you in the classroom, and you're going to need to call up Paul sometime, or you're going to need to call up. Uh, or John. Dale or Jenkins, or now nah, you want to call me, I'll probably tell you the wrong thing to do. Um, just do the opposite <laughs> that I tell you. But you're going to need to call and say, hey, I got this situation. How can you, ha- how can you handle it? I remember one time, and, and it wasn't involved with youth ministry per se, but um, I called, um, I called, I had to call um, Donnie Hilliard up because we had a situation in the church where I was at, and um, this guy was actually videotaping up a, a lady's skirt. And I was like, oh, we didn't no. have elders. And I said, I said, Donnie, you never taught us this in class. What do I do <laughs> in this situation? And Donnie, actually, it was, I still remember being on the phone with it. He was so taken back that he couldn't believe what I had just said. He was like, well, well, I don't know, John. I don't know what you do in that situation. <laughs> because, you know, you, uh, this is, you know, you, this is stuff we just don't. It's not in the books. It's not in the books. So I would recommend, though, having a good mentor and good um, um, person that you can bounce some ideas off, um, especially that first year, um, because you got so many things running through and and with everything like that. Um, well, yeah. give us another one, Paul. That is a good one. I'm gonna go off what you just said with that. Um, <clears throat> It's good to be someone's Timothy, but it's also be good to be somebody's Paul. Yes. Um, even as a young youth minister, you're going to have some kids in college or even in high school, middle school, that, that really maybe they don't have a father figure, and maybe you can be that person, and it's okay to be that person. Um, sometimes you learn from mentoring people how to be mentored and vice versa. You know, you, yeah. maybe you spend time with someone, and someone really helps you. You think, man, I feel like I have enough. Knowledge I can help someone else. I don't go out and start putting up, um, you know, Facebook messages, Twitter feeds, and you know, only get to find a mentor. That's not how it works. They'll find you, and you'll know them. Um, but that, that's, that's a really cool, cool thing there. Um, okay, so have a mentor. No, how about baptize somebody? Um, have, um, let's see. Okay. Um, establish your program. No. Your schedule and get some volunteers. This is oh. the first thing you need to be working on when you walk in that door. In fact, it's something you should talk to an eldership about before you get there. What Absolutely. are sacred cows? You know, what are the things that you want that there's no way and nothing I can do but go away? And I need to buy into this. I need to know what those programs are. What are some things y'all do you don't want to do ever again? What are some things that are going on you don't want to go to? Now, that, that young youth minister needs to know what to avoid and what to buy into. And I think that that goes a long way in your maturity, which, to be honest, would probably um, really impress an eldership in your first work, asking questions like that. But also it impresses parents. It shows that you care about what they care about. I absolutely agree. I think you nailed a couple of things that are just really vital with all that. You know, sometimes, especially if you're new in youth ministry or getting started and you're going to this work, and this work may have had some things that they've done already before, you know, don't go in there saying, look, I got all the ideas, I got all the plans here, 
and try to change everything, you need to go in there and show that they, you do care about their opinion and that, um, you know, let's see how we can incorporate all of this and kind of work together. But there was another thing that I liked how you said in there about the schedule and volunteers and mentioning volunteers and getting them involved. Because, Paul, one thing that, I, that you and I probably both know, because we still struggle with this, even being involved in ministry for this long, is overdoing it and trying to do everything alone and trying mm-hmm. to handle everything alone. Oh, and especially when you start out in youth ministry, you're like, i got to be it. i got to be the savior for these kids. Know that mm-hmm. as parents, too, um, you're an aide to help them in that, but you can't do everything by yourself. If you do, mm-hmm. there are too many people that you and I both know that have suffered burnout because mm-hmm. of it. And they're mm-hmm. out of ministry now because of all that. So definitely, I, I love that you said... Um, um, get volunteers on side to help. There's one I was going to mention, Paul, that, uh, and I don't know, maybe I always got the negative off the wall ones. You got the good positive ones that are coming in all this. <laughs> um, one thing I was going to say is, especially for our guys that are out there, and, and some of our ladies that are involved in youth ministry now that are working with other ladies, I, I'm not sure, we haven't seen how this is going to happen, but guys, since you work with both guys, ladies and men, young men, be careful with how you conduct yourself. You know, mm-hmm. guys, you're going to want to play and be with the guys and hang out and and maybe get into some dumb stuff because you're trying to be cool. Don't forget you're their 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 person, their role model they look up to. But also on the other side, with working with ladies, please be careful. It doesn't matter if you're a newly married person or if you're single getting in youth ministry. A lot of times, those young ladies are going to look at you as their prince and attach themselves mm-hmm. to you and be careful because I know you want to work out and you want to be friends with everybody and you want to be there for them because they may not have a good relationship with a father or something along that line. Be careful because Paul and I can both tell you horror stories of people who are no longer <laughs> in ministry because of, because of um, bad some indiscretions. Yes. Yeah, some bad choices. Yeah. That and, and not necessarily their indiscretions, but also maybe, something that was thrown on them because of the situation. Yes. So you got to yes, be careful it, it not about your fault. actions. Yes. But also what other people might say about what they do, you never know. It's a scary, scary situation. It's very rewarding, but it has some pitfalls. So. Yes. Um, extremely. In that, John, in staying sort of, I guess you would say negative, but something that you must have, if there's a list of things that will happen and things that need to happen, this needs to happen. Um, off the wall crazy. You need to establish, with the assistance and the approval of the eldership, you need to establish a modesty policy. You need in print what kids cannot wear in public. That way, that's already done. You're finished. And you say, here's what it is. The elders approved it. We've got to follow this. That, that's the best way to cover yourself. That way, you're not going around acting like you're the clothes police um, and you're dealing with, um, you know, you know, do the guys and girls come together? Do they not? What are we going to wear? This and that. Just establish that from the beginning, the very beginning, um, before you even start a work. So you, you know what the elders you meet with. And that needs to be established. That's one thing I think you do extremely well, Paul. You know, now that my daughter's in your youth group, and, and I even have to tell her because, you know, she'll come back with stuff that um, she's worn like. Um, because, you know, playing sports or whatever. And one thing I, I appreciate that you have, you know, everybody in that youth group at university, they know, okay, this is allowed to be worn or this isn't. Now, do you mm-hmm. still have students that push it? Yes, but that's where, yeah. you, as Paul says, you get to come out here and say, this is what's documented. This is our dress code policy. You knew it. You broke it. Go change. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I, I definitely think um, you hit you hit a nail on the head um, with that one um, right there. Um, well, what else, Paul? What else do you think that we could throw out to them here just in this brief time we have left about? Yeah, we don't have much time left. So let me hit a few things real quick. Um, be ready for your very first retreat. Um, hmm. Your first retreat will probably establish your time at that church because you're showing yourself as an organizer, you're showing yourself as a teacher, and you're showing yourself as a minister. Um, in the theme, in how you um, utilize the theme, how you utilize yourself and others as teachers, and 
and um, as um, chaperones, let's be very selective. Make sure and choose adults that are responsible and are talented and that connect with kids, um, not necessarily parents. Okay, um, in fact, kids will tell you how we feel about parents' trip. Some kids would love to stand there. So you need to know the group before you go. But for that first retreat, you'll establish who you are while you're there. Oh, I, I man, Paul, you nailed something there that I thought about, you know, you're talking about being organized and doing that retreat and doing it. You know, one of the negative things about youth ministries is they look at them, they say they're lazy, they don't do this thing. Don't feed into that. You know, be organized. Watch how some of the things that you that you wear, and even though they may not be wrong, but watch what you wear. Watch coming in to the office at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when you don't have anything that night and you're planning on leaving at 4. You know, feed into that. Be on. Be organized. Be on time. Um, show them that you are mature in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good point. Um, let's see. What, that's another thing. Uh, we, we touched on the schedule earlier. Let me kind of make sure it's a consistent You can even you know, if, there's a, if you're in an area with that area wide, find out when those are. Obviously, usually like the second Sunday night. Well, make sure your, your devotional attendees are a particular week. Don't have it changed through the month. Make sure it's the same time every week. Because a consistent ministry is a successful ministry, and people will remember those things, and they will not forget. So that's a good thing, too. Good, good, good point. Be consistent in what you're doing, because it's just like a marriage, Paul. Women want stability out of their man. Uh, parents mm-hmm. want stability out of their youth minister. And, um, and that's, that's, not, that's not also including longevity, but it's in the actions and the things that you do. Be stable. Be stable in what you do. Absolutely, Paul. Great. Great point. Um, let's see. John, you have anything else real quick? Um, no, no um, we'll have to save the rest for our book, I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, a couple of things. A couple of things. Whoops. I'm losing um, you there a little bit, Paul. Okay. Am I here? You hear me? There you are. There you are. Okay. Uh, bad connection. Um, make sure and visit around, and not just the young kids. Uh, visit mm. the hospital. Make sure the congregation knows who you are. Don't make them wait two or three years. You're that youth minister, right? Okay, don't let that happen. Um, go to schools. Go to lunch. Go to ball games. Um, uh, the um, scholastic academia people will not like what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> this is good for. There's a good time for everybody. Um, Hey, working on your master's as soon as you start your first work may not be the best idea uh, because I, I know it takes up a lot of time. <laughs> I'm just telling you right, right now. I know it takes right. a lot of time. But be focused on that job. When you get that job, be focused. Be there for a few years and then, then go go get that degree. I do think that every youth minister, every minister needs a master's. It's good to continue education. That's important, and that's for another chapter another time. But visit around. Um, go to the schools. Make sure they see you spend time with them. Here's one last thing, and, and this is kind of funny, but it's so, so true in your visiting. And, again, this is probably for another chapter, but I've got to mention because I'm going my mind out now. Hospital visit, don't let that prayer be awkward. Because it's going to be. Because there, some people aren't used to people praying over them in a hospital room. And if you're there with a group, don't assume that they want the elder or Joe member to pray. Because if that preacher or that youth preacher don't pray, it didn't, that person might get better. That's right. That's exactly I mean, how they do it. They they want that preacher to pray. That's not biblical. That's not the way it should be. But people, average members, feel that way. So when you go in a room, don't you leave that room without praying over those that time. That needs to happen anyway. Don't let it get awkward. Okay, Jesus pray. It's okay. Yeah. I got, oh, you know, I, that's, that's a lot of good things for first year. And, Paul, especially if you're doing that, and, and let's get through this, and especially if you're doing that, with with the elderly members, the older members, let me tell you something. Some of the biggest fans you can have as a youth minister, especially starting out, are the older members of the congregation. Endear yourself to them. Absolutely, yes. And by the way, they pay that paycheck. So make sure that works. They do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, John, I think that's chapter one. A year first. Wow. Year first in there. Woo! It's a lot of things There's that we've more. thrown in there. 
Oh, yeah. We'll throw some more out there to you um, when we write the book. But, uh, um, man, that's awesome, Paul. I'm excited that we got a good jump on, really good. on the book right here. Yeah, I'll tell you what, next week's going to be really interesting because you can go a few different directions with knowing to hold them and knowing to fold them. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. Theory yeah, we'll, we'll, ministry next week. We'll be talking about everything, I'm assuming, Paul, when we get in this, not to give it away a lot, but from from program issues to work issues to mm-hmm. kid issues. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be great. So, Yes, it is. Okay. Well, John, you got anything else to share before we get out of here and before you and I get out of the state? No, I I think we have uh, nailed it. And you're right, Paul. We are we will be heading into the blizzard. So everybody pray blizzard for us. Blizzard 2016. Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. So, well, and um, sort of to end in us out, you know, um, if you have questions about that first retreat, you can go to www.adventuresandministry.com and find all the information you need to make yourself and your ministry look great. That just sounds like a commercial, but it is free and it's free. So we're not selling anything except the opportunity for you to be successful. That's right. Go there for that. And the app. And the AIM TV app. Um, a lot of cool information. Fixing to hit social media waves very soon. And other things. Look for us at the last convention. I'll see you at the convention. A few other places in between. Looking forward to going to the Sycamore Church this weekend. As John and I will be there. Worshiping there on Sunday night for their Tennis to Christ night. And so looking forward to being there and being with you. Absolutely, Paul. Well, John, you want to take Paul, us out of here? I, I will take us out. Um, we hope everybody stays safe this weekend. And um, we look forward to next week. Please make sure you tune in. Tell, tell a friend about us. And uh, for Paul Sperlin, I am John Podine. We hope that you have a blessed weekend and a great day. Do 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 do.